Hi, this is Bill Woods. I'm up here in Sun Valley, Arizona. I've been thinking about some things. This is October, and October 31st is Halloween, and I've often wondered, you know, why people celebrate that holiday. I, I know as a little kid, I like going out and getting the candy and stuff, but when you really think about the holiday, it's kind of like celebrating death or cancer or something like that. Oh, goody, I've got cancer, you know? And, and uh, I, I've never been so, uh, not amused, but uh, I've questioned the fact how come do people celebrate the death and destruction and demons and all the things that come out of hell and, you know, we want to celebrate it and have a holiday about it. And I think maybe Christians ought to think about it a little bit. That's my convictions doesn't have to be yours. You pray and ask God what he wants you to do. I want to talk about monsters in the basement. In Revelation 3.20, it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. And so I want you to use your imagination today with me a little bit. And uh, you, you're in your house and you're... Uh, doing your thing and all of a sudden you hear a knock on the door and so you go and you answer the door and to your surprise there's Jesus and so you invite him in and uh, you say well Jesus make yourself at home and you give him the keys to the house most of them uh, you know he can go into any room he wants to he can use the refrigerator the stove he can use the kitchen or whatever but you don't give him the keys to the basement Jesus must understand that the basement's your area. You have personal, private things down there. Well, one day you come home and, and Jesus asks for the key to the basement. And you say, well, Lord, you know, you've got run of the whole house. You can do whatever you want in any room and you even can go up into the attic. Why do you need to go into the basement? He says that envy had shown its ugly head that day and you thought oh no you argue that he can't go down there he says well if he can't control the whole house he, he just won't stay Lord please don't leave can't I just have a few things that are mine alone you say he answers it's either all or nothing at all well finally you open the door how embarrassing this is this isn't a place to take your guests. You see a dim light hanging on a cord out there in the middle of the room, and, and you see such hideous sights. First thing you see is envy. It's a green snake-like creature hanging from the light cord, hissing and spitting. And, uh, you know, you say, oh, I, I'm so sorry. has to do with your possessions and and. It robs you of your usefulness. You're always comparing what you don't have to what others do have. And this has always had you a little off balance. Why do I not have the things that other people have? And, I, and you envy them and it destroys your service to the Lord. And then you look just beyond envy and there on the floor under that light is jealousy. His big green eyes looking at you, and, and you wonder, what in the world? See, someone else got the honors you wanted, and it just wasn't fair. 
you were jealous because you didn't get the promotion that that person did and it has been eating at you satan he, uh, jesus gave you an illustration he said satan was crossing the libyan desert and saw several small demons tormenting a holy hermit the saintly man easily shook off their evil suggestions the devil watched their failure and decided to give them a lesson what what you do is too crude satan said permit me for a moment and he whispered to the holy man your brother was just made bishop of alexandria while well, a scowl of malignant jealousy clouded the hermit's face that said satan to his imps is the sort of thing i recommend and jesus said that kind of thing can destroy your walk with me and then across the room you see hatred with its bloody red uh, face there and and you know it, it's thinking of killing and all that uh, and jesus said you know you you can't entertain hatred in your life you've got to get rid of it a man hated to be slapped on the back so he packed his coat with tnt and waited for the man who always slapped him on his back his idea was, when he hits me, I'll blow him up. But there were some shortcomings in his plan, as you can imagine. You know, hate kills the one you hate. It doesn't hurt them really that bad, but it kills yourself as you let that take over your life. Hating people is like burning down your own house to get rid of a rat. Oh, Jesus, can't we go back upstairs? Do I have to show you all this? And then all of a sudden, rage shows its purple face. Rage destroys your witness. You think, uh, you know, when it comes, oh, I have my rights. I can do what I want to do. Always surfaces at the most inopportune times. And with rage comes resentment. It shows its ugly grave features there. Resentment can ruin a happy heart. A fisherman said he doesn't need to top, uh, uh, put a top on his crab basket. He says if a crab climbs the side of the basket, the other crabs reach up and pull it back down. You know, some people are a lot like those crabs. Well, is there no end? But there's bitterness. I hear a seething black liquid comes boiling up out of the basement floor. It's got an offensive odor that drives people away. Bitterness is an acid that destroys the container. It's something, you're the container, and if you're filled with bitterness, it ruins your relationship with Christ. It ruins your relationship with others. Nobody wants to be around a bitter person Oh, Lord, I've got to get rid of that. And then there's greed. You know, greed cause, uh, crowds God out of your life. Somebody spelled sin as sin, S capital I, N. And, and you know, the capital I represented greed. Leo Tolsty wrote about a farmer who wasn't satisfied with what he had. He wanted more land. He wanted more of everything. One day he got an offer. For a thousand rubles, or $686 is how it translated, he could buy all the land that he could walk around in a day, but he had to be back at his starting point at sundown. Early next morning, he started walking as fast as he could, 
By noon he was very tired but kept going, covering more and more ground. By late afternoon he realized his greed had taken him far from the starting point. He walked faster. As the sun began to sink, he began to run because it was, he, if he wasn't back by sundown, he would lose his opportunity to be an even bigger landholder. As the sun began to sink below the horizon, he could see the finish line, gasping for breath, his heart pounding. He used every bit of strength left in his body and staggered across the line just before the sun disappeared. He immediately collapsed, blood streaming from his mouth. Soon he died. His servants dug a grave only six feet long and three feet wide. Tolstoy's title was, How Much Land Does a Man Need? You say, Oh, Jesus, I'm so ashamed. I've let greed crowd you out of my life. I've forgotten to put you first. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. But all of a sudden, temper raises its red, angry face there in front. I, I was in hopes Jesus wouldn't see that, you said. Like rage, it always shows itself at the most inopportune time. Whoever makes you lose your temper controls you. Joseph Hunter said, My life is in the hands of any fool who makes me lose my temper. You say, Jesus, I know when I lose my temper, I'm letting somebody else control me. Please help me. Then there comes out the critical attitude with its yellow, sickly features. Oh, what an ugly monster this is. It's, you know, it's cutting, it's offensive, it's keeping friendships from happening. Warren Wiersbe in his book, Angry People, wrote an incident in the life of Joseph Parker, the great British preacher, illustrates this tragic truth. He was preaching at the city temple in London. After the service, a man came to him and said, Dr. Parker, you made an error in grammar in your sermon. He pointed out the error. Joseph Parker looked at the man and said, And what else did you get out of the message? What a fitting rebuke. Then there's pride, that ugly monster showing itself, that black choking mist filling the room. Proverbs 8.13 says, All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride and arrogance, corruption and perverse speech. Pride's the only disease that makes everyone sick but the one who has it. Oh my, lust just, just showed itself standing naked in the corner and oh, I, you, you hope Jesus doesn't see that. James chapter 1 verses 14 and 15. Temptation comes from our own desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. When sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. You've tried to hide it from Jesus, but he knows it's there. A great cloud of witnesses also know what you've been doing. 
It's like being on the field at the Super Bowl with the spectators surrounding you, seeing every action you perform. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. You know, the morals of this nation are in the sewer. Pornography's on the internet, filth on the television, adultery and fornication being the expected thing. No one thinks anything about this anymore and it should be shocking all of us how the morals have sunk to such a low level and then the monster disappointment comes out pale blue pallor with thin black lips dreams that have died springboard for bitterness you feel cheated you feel shortchanged by life life just isn't fair well, uh, you got to realize everybody's going to face disappointment. But Jesus said, even when you do, just give it to me and I can help you overcome. You can't let that rule your life. Oh, here comes the monster procrastination streaking around the floor in a dither. So many good intentions, but too lazy or too disorganized to get it done. Now, I, I, I thought maybe we were done, but there's, there's the two monsters, the twins, grief and pain, wincing in the shadow by the far wall. They should have been turned to God, but you decided to savor and nurse them. Actually, they become pets, and you really don't want to turn loose of them right now. And, and grief and pain and all these things bring those monsters loneliness and depression adding more gloom to the whole atmosphere ruining not only your life but the life of those around you oh no here comes fear ghost white this didn't come from god fear doesn't come from god you know there's so many people living in fear today because of covid 19 or because they got to wear masks and all these things and it's not only that, but we live in fear. And that is not to the glory of God. God says that he is not the author of fear. Second Timothy 1, 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. One more monster lurks in the shadows. It's that non-forgiving attitude that you have nourished for so long. Somebody hurts you, and you're not going to forgive them. You're not for, going to forget about what they've done. Each time someone has offended you, you've resolved never to forgive them. You think that you have a right to feel that way. Well, Jesus says in Matthew 6, 14 and 15, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. You say, but Jesus, 
You don't know what they've done to me. I have a right to hold a grudge. Jesus said, has anybody ever put you through what I endured on the cross? Yet I forgave. Don't lose your soul over not turning loose of some bitter attitude. You catch your reflection in a mirror and you realize you're looking at the biggest monster of them all, self. Suddenly you realize these monsters thrive on your self-centeredness. If Jesus controls your life, you won't have a basement full of monsters to defeat you all the time. You turn and you look at Jesus and you say, Oh, Jesus, I'm so ashamed. I can't control these ugly monsters. What can I do? Romans 7, 18 and 19, And I know that nothing good lives in me, that is, in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I, I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Romans 7, 24 and 25 says, Oh, what a miserable, miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. Paul said, who can deliver me from this body of death? And what he was referring to was the practice back there of the Romans. When they had prisoners, they would chain two of them together. And if one of them happened to die, they didn't unchain him. They just, it was the responsibility of the living one to move from place to place and drag that body with them, carry that body as it rotted, as it de deteriorated and stuff, and the smell, and finally it would kill the one that was alive. And Paul is saying, that's what sin is. Who can deliver me from this ugly, dead body of sin? Well, Jesus said, I can. He explains like a, a weed that you destroy the top when you come and confess your committed sins, but the root stays down there unless it is eradicated by God. You, you need to let God take his holy grub hole and dig down in and pull that root out and, and, and give you victory over those parts of your life. Jesus says, turn all these monsters over to me. I can clean up this mess and bring peace and contentment to your life. Jesus says, my child, you don't have to be defeated in life. Victory is available to you. And you say, oh, Lord, I need that victory. And he says, give your life to me. And you begin to pray, Lord, not my will, but thine be done. I'm so tired of being defeated. I heard a story about a man who was giving his testimony at a Salvation Army open-air street meeting. As he spoke, a heckler yelled, Why don't you shut up and sit down? You're just dreaming. Well, immediately, that heckler felt a tug on his coat. It was a little girl who said, Sir, that man who is talking is my daddy. Daddy used to be a drunkard. He used to spend all of his money on whiskey. My mother was very sad and cried most of the time. Sometimes daddy would come home and hit my mother. I didn't have shoes or a nice dress to wear to school. But look at my shoes now and see this pretty dress. My daddy bought these for me. 
but the little girl wasn't through yet. See my mother over there, she said. She has a bright smile. She's happy now. She sings even when she's doing the ironing. The little girl said, Mister, if my daddy is dreaming, please don't wake him up. You know what joy and peace and relief comes when you let Jesus control every part of your life. He doesn't want to be just a guest in your home. He wants to be the landlord and manage every part. The secret for continual success in your Christian walk is to yield to him 100% because he knows what is best for you. And if you don't know him as your personal Savior, the secret for you to do is confess your sins to him today and ask him to come in and become your Lord and Savior. If you feel a reoccurrence of monster invasion, invasions, turn quickly to Jesus because he promised if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. Your success comes in a daily commitment to his will. Listen, yes, we got Halloween coming, and yes, it stands for just about everything that Christians should stand against. But I want to say this, that we can be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. We don't have to be defeated by any monsters in our life because God has promised us that he loves us and he has a better way for us. Peter said, you know, without holiness, no one shall see the Lord, and the Lord is holy. And so if you want to be cleansed of your sin, confess unto Jesus Christ. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, ask Jesus Christ to come in and cleanse you and to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Take control of your life, and you will find God's ways are best ways. I want to pray with you. Dear Jesus, there are people listening to this today, and I would pray, Father, that you help them to realize they do not have to be victimized by Satan and his monsters, but we can become more than conquerors through Jesus Christ our Lord. Help them, Lord, to confess their sins to you, to ask you to forgive them of their sins, to cleanse them from all unrighteousness, and then, Lord, help them to begin to live the life you want them to live. Thank you so much, Jesus, because you're so good to us and you provided a wonderful plan of salvation. And thank you, Lord, because even though hell is out there for those who rebel against you, we don't have to go to hell. We can go to be with you for all eternity as we yield our lives to you. Please, Father, help each one of us to give you access to every part of our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I hope as Halloween comes, you will see the contrast between living for Jesus and the things that the world has to offer. Jesus offers life and peace and joy. Satan offers death and defeat. That's all he has. And so turn your life to Jesus. Well, thank you for your time. This is Bill Woods again up here. And I, I would just invite you, if you would like to get in touch with me, my box number is box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. And, uh, you know, if you want to email me, my, my Gmail actually is lowercase R-E-V-W-M-W-W-O-O-D-S 
at gmail.com. God bless you. Praying for you that God will be able to get into your life and, and lead you to victory and to heaven. And uh, we'll talk to you later.